welcome to Mental Healthy, where we share the stories and expertise of professionals working diligently in the field of mental health. I'm your host today, Dr. Kenyon Knapp. Well, welcome everyone to the Mental Healthy Podcast. I appreciate you joining us today. I've got a great guest here today, Mr. Tim Sawson. He's a uh, specialist in regards to trauma treatment. He's an EMDR therapist, a trauma specialist, and he has his own uh, practice called Birthstone Trauma Healing. And uh, for those of you who are interested, um, I'm sure you will be at the end of this episode, his website is birthstonehealing.com. And um, on top of that, uh, Tim is a uh, LPC in Pennsylvania, Virginia, and New Jersey. So you're a pretty uh, accomplished guy there, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, thankfully, the pandemic has allowed me to get licensed in a few extra states. Um, and be able to expand my um, my reach a little bit. Well, that's great. Well, well why don't you give the uh, listeners a little bit of a feel for your background and and um, sure. how you got into this kind of work maybe before we get into the meat and potatoes of our conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I began to specialize in trauma. Well, I would say that I began to be interested in specializing in trauma probably five years ago when it just became apparent that trauma was like a common denominator that was running the life of so many different people, whether that was like adverse bad experiences that they had, or maybe it was just a sense that they had never had a identity of their own due to relational wounds or um, so many different things that might have happened in their life. Because I began to see that trauma is really anything that impacts how you view yourself or that changes how you view yourself, how you view other people, how you view the world around you, which accounts for a lot. And I really wanted to do root work. Like how do I get to the root and see healing happen in people's lives rather than just put a bandaid on the issues that they are bringing my way. And it became more and more apparent that trauma was the best way to do that. And then I got trained specifically in modes of healing that would allow me to help clients access those roots and then experience transformation in a way that impacted their bodies, impacted their minds, impacted their relationships and impacted their uh, their souls as well. Well, that's awesome. Well, what what are some of the trainings that you've been through? I mean, I, I see in your website that you're an internationally certified trauma therapy specialist and EMDR. Yeah. And like, what, what are some of the trainings you've been through or certifications? So I would tell any trauma therapist that the key is get, to getting really good is getting really good training and supervision. And um, so I got trained in EMDR, and then there's a whole certification process to become um, a certified EMDR therapist, which also affords you more training. So within that process, I was trained in EMDR therapy and then specifically trained in um, to work with addiction and dissociation, um, to work with kind of more complex cases where there was trauma connected with addiction or where complex trauma had led to kind of the fragmentation of somebody's identity. Uh, and working with dissociation and helping them kind of get grounded back in reality so that we could resolve their wounds. I also was trained in trust-based relational intervention, which is a evidence-based model that um, is specifically designed to help kids from hard places. Um, And that was actually due to being, um, you know, working with a program called Safe Families for Children when my wife and I um, were working with foster care. And so that was a really integral part of my training. Well, I didn't necessarily do it as part of my clinical work or my, it definitely impacted me as a foster parent and how we uh, parented a little infant that we had. 
but it also specifically helped me to learn and care about attachment trauma and specifically what does it look like to heal wounds where it wasn't about traumas that maybe happened to somebody, bad things that happened, but more so what didn't happen where there were wounds from needs that weren't met or neglect or specifically ways that people hadn't been given a sense of self that they needed when they came into this world. So that really then led me to uh, want to not just specialize in trauma and EMDR, but specifically these attachment relational traumas where it feels like the trauma is almost on like a cellular level where it's not just something bad that happened, but it feels like it's me. Like it's my trauma is synonymous with me. Um, So then I got trained in attachment focused EMDR therapy. Um, And that is a mode of EMDR that I do specifically to help with those attachment wounds. And that's the main work that I do now where I will still, you know, utilize EMDR for many things because it's such a versatile model. But um, I market myself uh, as an attachment-focused EMDR therapist. Um, And then back in the day, I also got trained in, um, you know, trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. But I also began to see that, um, oftentimes we cannot mind over matter our way out of trauma. We need to mind body, spirit, relationship our way out of trauma. And so I really started focusing more on somatic ways of healing and connecting that to spirituality as well when that was necessary. Wow, that that's so cool. I, I relate to you in so many levels. Um, as a foster parent myself, but that's another, <laughs> that's another broadcast. Um, yeah. well, this is really neat. I mean, you, you, you attach the, the treatment to so many parts of people, which is really holistic. And I just love that. Um, I heard you mention that you, you address the spiritual part of people's trauma as well. And I should tell the listeners, that's really how I heard of you to begin with. Um, I heard a podcast you did on audio steeple about, um, uh, trauma-focused discipleship. I think that's what you call it. Yes. Yeah. Um, that just sort of blew my mind a little bit. Like, I mean, I, I'm familiar with, you know, post-traumatic growth and lots of different uh, therapies for, for trauma and so forth and crisis work. But um, when I heard about trauma-focused discipleship, that sounded really cool and like a real blending of things. Um, And it makes me think of so many different Bible verses. And, of course, our listeners, some are come from a Christian perspective and some don't. But but I think most listeners who are informed these days know that uh, if you're going to treat people in a holistic way, you know, addressing the spiritual part of them is is a more comprehensive way to do it. Um, And there's so many verses that come to my mind when we think about this. Like uh, before I joined you on the podcast today, I was reading Psalm 3418 which says the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And mm-hmm. so I know that verse means a lot to a lot of people who've been through a hard time, just knowing that God is near to them in hard times. And then yeah. it, it also made me think of Job 42.5. And of course, Job is the, you know, the classic story of people who go through hard times. And after all that junk he went through, having his kids die and the illnesses and having people blame him for all kinds of stuff that wasn't his fault, mm-hmm. He says in Job 42, 5, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And he's referring to God. So obviously trauma can bring people closer to God. It, is that Absolutely. what you found in, in your work with, uh, with trauma-focused discipleship? Absolutely. And I would say that it doesn't necessarily matter if I'm working with a person of faith or um, somebody who doesn't necessarily 
ascribe that they might be a Christian or that they even have a sense of their own spirituality. But what I see over and over, especially with birthstone trauma healing, when I'm doing intensives with people where I see them for maybe four or eight hours, when we give that much room to actually sit with these root issues of distress, I oftentimes find that people, you know, they heal and then there's a sense of, okay, so what now? What is my purpose? What does my life mean here? Um, and they're always, they're very often, I would say, face-to-face with a spiritual question then, um, regardless of, you know, their spiritual background. That's just a pattern, pattern that I've seen over and over. As we start accessing these root issues, it brings the soul and the spirit to the forefront, and people oftentimes walk away with a lot more than they bargained for where they've healed their trauma, but they also have a sense of what it means for them to have a place in this world, um, and specifically where they might um, experience healing and salvation, or at least the sense where they now know that their soul has purpose and meaning, and it's beyond them just kind of floating around. Yeah, absolutely. That that meaning-making component of of trauma work is so important. But, um, mm-hmm. but let me just ask you, though, we've used that phrase, as we've talked already, about quote-unquote trauma-focused discipleship. What yeah. is that? Like, what does that mean? Like, people probably hear that and go, what on earth is trauma-focused discipleship? Yes. So discipleship, I would say, you know, we talk about, um, like in Second Corinthians, it talks about the ministry of reconciliation, how we're in Christ and we're made a new creation, and everything that's old has now, you know, kind of fallen away, and because of what Christ has done, we have this new life, and we're called to walk that out. And so I generally would describe discipleship as living out that ministry of reconciliation, and a lot of people don't have a solid def- definition of discipleship, but what I would say that it is, is specifically removing any barrier to healthy relationship with God, healthy relationship with self, and healthy relationship with others, and then walking in faith and walking in community um, and learning more and more about what it looks like to be um, a follower of Jesus. And there's a lot of barriers specifically to that going well. Um, I would say, you know, that trauma is one of the main ways that the enemy tries to steal, kill, and destroy. And there's so many different elements of our experiences that impact our sense of uh, who God is, our sense of who we are, and how community works and relationships work. And so what I found is that trauma is one of the biggest barriers to healthy relationship. And so as I began to consider what does it look like to live out this ministry of reconciliation, I began to see that we can't do that unless we are deliberately and intentionally addressing these wounds and these barriers to healthy relationship, most of which are caused by some form of trauma or hurt. Or like, again, if somebody has come into this world with a sense of not having what they need or that there's something terribly wrong, we have to look at their trauma and their hurt on an identity level and I think that you and I would probably agree that we, we kind of come into this world already detached and separated. Um, and because of that, we need to work specifically to address where there's wounds of separation that we are just born with because we're born into a fallen world. And oftentimes, if we can identify where that root is, then we can begin to see healing and change Then that can provide truth and restoration to every element of someone's story, regardless of what has happened in their life. That that makes sense to me on so many levels. Like when I think about like what you were saying about how trauma destroys relationships and it really destroys the ability to trust because if if you've been hurt so bad, you feel like, oh, it's not safe to trust. And and then if you don't trust, you don't have a relationship. 
And if you don't have a relationship, you're lonely. (laughs) And then you have all kinds of difficulties. So it's all, I'm connecting the dots with you big time. Yeah. You know, I've been with a couple of guys have been reading Hebrews and specifically was reading in Hebrews three about the Israelites and um, how, you know, the, the Holy Spirit kind of says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. And what I was realizing was that, you know, the Israelites had gone through generations, centuries of trauma. You know, they had been enslaved, they had been captive. And I began to wonder, you know, what would it look like if they had addressed their trauma? Would it be easier to trust the God that was leading them out of captivity into freedom and relationship, you know, with him um, into a promised land where they could have freedom? But they kept rebelling because, honestly, I think that they had learned to be helpless and they had learned that, you know, trauma was their M.O., living in captivity was their M.O. And so when freedom and truth and connection with God Almighty is free and open to them, and there's this promised land in front of them, they freak out. They say, I want to go back to Egypt. Or, you know, they say to Moses, like, what are you doing to us? Like, what's, where, like how are our needs going to be met? And God is there saying, I want to take care of your needs. I'm here for you. And we see that with Christ, too, where it's Christ completely you know, transforms how our needs could be met because of the gospel. But because we have such a captivity mindset, we keep continuing to look for things in the wrong places. And then we go through traumatic experiences in life or we have relational wounds that then just exacerbate that trust issue and keep us in captivity rather than walking freely in relationship with God. Yeah, that, that that makes sense. I mean, freedom is a scary thing, isn't it? I mean, like if I can't Absolutely. blame somebody else for my circumstances and if I feel a sense of freedom to do what I feel called of God to do, a lot of it sort of falls on me instead of, you know, yeah. me, me being able to externalize in some way and then blame the outcome on somebody else. So, Yeah, it's a lot of distress to sit with when you're living like free, abundant life, but Thankfully, you know, that's something that God, you know, has given us his spirit and he's, he's given us himself to walk with us and have, you know, the nurture and have the safety and have the protection and the purpose and everything that maybe trauma strips away we can find in Christ. And there's nowhere that, you know, he hasn't experienced suffering that, you know, he has gone in every, you know, nook and cranny of where there's hurt um, and has taken care of that. But, man, it is scary. It is freaky to walk that as opposed to just doing what feels natural because that trauma focused discipleship um, lifestyle living out that is very countercultural. It's very counterintuitive and it honestly like feels counter survival. It feels like you are doing something that's totally against your nature. um, But at the same time, God is transforming your nature to be more and more um, like Christ and submitting to that while it's scary and there might be a lot of barriers. um, It's just, that's what true abundant life looks like. But if we continue to run into barriers that are making that feel um, impossible, or we just continue to find ourselves into, in survival mode, we have to look at where trauma and our wounds might be making that even harder. And if we can then think up to, you know, where those wounds, where that suffering is happening, where that fear is getting triggered, where we feel those things in our bodies, whatever beliefs are competing with the truth of the gospel, then we can remove those. And oftentimes what becomes very apparent once we do remove those things and once the distress melts away is, is the truth and what's real about us, what's real about God. 
and then we can really find some freedom and joy in walking in it, despite the difficulties and despite just the real raw nature of walking with God in step with the Holy Spirit. That's well said. Um, well, let me ask you this. Um, earlier you were saying that um, discipleship, the way you conceptualize it is that it's a ministry of reconciliation and that it removes barriers to healthy relationship with God. Um, mm-hmm. And then trauma sort of gets in the way of that. So so how would you say that, or I guess why should discipleship be trauma-focused? Discipleship needs to be trauma-focused because, you know, for example, say that um, you have, I don't know, like a sense of God as, as your father. Um, something like that can be a really hot topic for people who have had, you know, poor fathers. Mm-hmm. or they've had fathers that don't feel safe. Our bodies and our minds save um, information, and oftentimes we find ourselves in survival mode, maybe, and also just shame itself. Like wherever somebody has experienced shame, it causes us to go into survival mode and want to hide, and that's very much connected to just our sinful human nature. But we have these mechanisms built within us based on just the fact that we're here on this earth, but also because of the different experiences that we've had, especially with, you know, our caregivers or with people in this life or just different things that happen in our lives that wire our nervous systems and our bodies to run and hide. And if we can work with those different things and we can become bold, we can become free, and all of that mirrors the work of Christ. While we're not necessarily, you know, taking over the work of Christ, we're doing things that agree with the work of Christ so that, um, discipleship can be smooth, and so there's not this like extra narrative, this extra mission going on. So I generally believe that when somebody you know comes to faith, or maybe they're not um, even a believer, there's they're living out these missions. They're living out you know um, the mission of you know wanting to survive, or wanting to achieve, or wanting to just not feel shame. And we need to be trauma-informed in our approach because we have to look at, like, how trauma and our wounds and our experiences are actually, like, coloring in how we live out our lives in ways that we may not even see. And so it has to be that, you know, that's something that is at play within the life of believers as well. So we have to look at those things. That makes a lot of sense. But let me ask you this. Um, obviously, you do some of this in your private practice. Um, do you do any of this kind of trauma-focused discipleship in any kind of church work um, or, or at your, your church? Yeah, huh? well, I do. And there's individuals. What was that? Well, I was just going to say, where do you do it at your church? Or how, how do you implement this, per se, in a, in a church setting? So right now, it is... Um, I don't have any specific role. We're part of a, a church plant in Philadelphia, and um, I have been able to, I've been given the privilege of, you know, preaching on trauma-focused discipleship recently, and it's something that our congregation knows is um, such an important element. I think also that, you know, this last year or two, um, we've, I've just watched a lot of my friends and a lot of our church family here go through different hurtful things. And so this is a message that has been um, really important to us that, you know, there are ways that um, we need to heal so that we can truly have fellowship with one another, with fellowship with Christ and fellowship within ourselves. And so 
honestly, it's, you know, listening for where there's hurt and listening for where there's distortions in what's true about God or what's true about self or what's true about relationships, just within the context of living life out with these people that I care about. Also, um, I think that an element of, like, I play, I do worship and I'm on a team, um, and the leader of it is really, like, very, I would say, keyed into just not just how do we how do we play music, um, but how do we specifically care for the hearts and be open to seeing God provide healing um, through just to speak into where needs are within this this context. And so I get to, you know, play music, but at the same time be mindful of, you know, where people are hurting, where God is moving. And what I've seen is that people are specifically beginning to get in touch with their wounds and get in touch with where they oftentimes find themselves in survival mode. And then we can move into discipleship or have just conversations over coffee or, or maybe, you know, they move towards, you know, a counselor or they um, get a referral and we're connected with different counselors in this area where we have different people, um, whether they're in our church or not, that say, you know what, I'm realizing that this trauma has a hold on my life and I need to deal with that. And that might be something that I help them with, or I might, you know, connect them with somebody that I trust that does good work in this area. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Let me ask you this too. I mean, I, I've, I've been in private practice for a number of decades myself, and um, I do a lot of crisis work. Um, it, it seems to me that when you're working with like a faith-based approach like this, where there is, um, you, you sort of look for redemption and you look for the way God's using the trauma to help you grow in certain ways. And you're incorporating scriptures like, you know, the testing of our faith develops perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and things like that, like where, where, the, where the client conceptualizes difficulty as an opportunity for God to help them grow in some way. Um, mm-hmm. For us as therapists, um, to me, that's, I mean, trauma work is trauma work, so it's, it's all difficult. But for me, at least, my experience has been that it's a little bit easier for me as far as burnout for me as a therapist and, and just the stress mm-hmm. of it all, because... When I'm doing trauma work, yeah, it is heavy, but I I sort of see the hope mixed into the whole process when there's a faith base, uh, base to it. Do you experience the same thing? Or because I know some therapists say trauma work is trauma work is trauma work. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how how do you conceptualize all that? I generally think that you know what I'm doing. You know, the people that come see me, they invest a lot of power and authority and need to help them go to the deepest hurts of their life um, and help kind of excavate and get them to this point where they can stand on their feet. And I know personally that I walk in with a lot of, you know, power that isn't, that I invest. And so I truly believe that I'm not walking in holding any like authority or power that doesn't belong to God already. And so there's a nice boundary there that I'm able to just kind of be a middleman where that helps me with burnout. But also I would say like, we are designed specifically with these healing mechanisms within our body and the nature of my work where I do EMDR therapy specifically, I'm helping clients to access their pain, deal with that terror and then work with it in a way that, you know, they're utilizing their resources, they're utilizing their experiences. And so I'm not providing something of myself. I'm more so equipping them to use what they've got. So that also, you know, cuts me out of it. And then that helps me to, you know, work with, you know, whatever emotions might come up to, because I do hear some very terrible stories that make me, you know, want to walk out 
and you know find whoever that was that did that and and um you know do things to them you know but <laughs> just to be honest with you sometimes but oh, yeah. at the end of the day that's not that's not my job that's above my pay grade to in, invoke justice upon somebody um but what i can do is help them with healing and help them to detach from it so that it doesn't feel like it's connected to them anymore and i don't detach for them but i help them to detach from it so my boundaries are clear my job is clear my limitations are clear and I think for that reason, there is something kind of clear-cut about that, and I do like that. So I generally don't bring a lot home, but I do need to rest. And if I don't rest, if I don't, you know, take time to detach from this work and to, you know, be grateful for where I see healing happen, then I will be a vegetable during the weekend, and I won't be a good husband. That's what I've learned, at least. Yeah, well, I appreciate you sharing all that because— I know every time we do a, a broadcast about, you know, trauma work or something with it being a hot topic right now, there's a lot of people mm -hmm. that sort of want to jump on the bandwagon and, you know, get in there. And it's, it's always good to share with them some ideas about self-care and yeah. how to set the boundaries like you, like you just talked about. So, um, I will say also that like the yield and just seeing the fruit of people healing and seeing God show up in, in my office and, seeing people get out of just like decades of bondage like it does that does also sweeten the deal for me where I just I love what I do I love seeing the fruit and oftentimes like with the intensive format I see people that have done you know a lot of therapy for a long time they just know that it's time like they're being led towards just shedding this stuff and I get to you know be a witness to that and so that also you know keeps my candle lit um for sure Although it also adds to my need for rest because I'm seeing, you know, transformation happen. And honestly, I believe in a lot of things that I didn't before because I've seen miracles happen within my office. But for that reason, too, I need to continue to rest and continue to, to cultivate, you know, those questions that that brings up for me is, you know, okay, so what does that mean? Now that I've seen this, now that I've, I've witnessed this, it's definitely changed how I function, you know, as a believer, how I function as a therapist. And it also has um, given me confidence to take risks because I know what happens on the other side when we sit with this trauma. Mm -hmm. That's great. I mean, uh, that, that sounds like a lot of benefits of doing this kind of work right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we have talked a lot about faith in all of this, but, but let's sort of turn a corner here a little bit and, and speak to the people listening who maybe don't come from a faith perspective. What are some of the implications of trauma-focused discipleship for people who are outside of the church? What, what would you say to them? What I've told people is that, you know, my goal is to connect them back to what's real, what's true, and what's, like, real for them. And so at the end of the day, I, regardless of, you know, my personal values or beliefs, if somebody's coming into my office and hurting, we are going to get to the bottom of what are those root beliefs? What are those experiences? Where is that felt within their body? Where have they experienced um, hurt? And where have they not been given a sense of identity and self? And at the end of the, of the day, you know, the goal is for them to heal. And I think that healing is possible and oftentimes, you know, we, don't, we bring nothing to the table except our willingness to heal and our readiness and the, the fact that it just feels like it is time. I can no longer live the way that I am. I am done holding all of this junk. And um, for that reason, I can, you know, we can go down the same roads. And so I love the fact that I get to live in a diverse city where I can work from, with people from all types of backgrounds and see healing happen 
regardless of um, what people bring in, what type of faith they bring in. Because again, what I've found is it is not about what we do as much as what can be done for us. Well, that, that's good. That's certainly hope-inducing for those who may not come from the same belief system as you. So that, that's good. Yeah. It makes it more broad. Um, well, let me ask you this too. Um, go, going back to the faith community, um, what would you say are some of the next steps for, say, individuals, churches, or organizations that want to engage in trauma-focused discipleship? Is is there sure. some kind of um, manual or book or <laughs> some kind of resources yeah. or something that they could go to if if they're listening to all this today and they're going, yeah, this makes perfect sense? Where do they go from here? Sure. Well, first of all, I do want to say the website is birthstonetraumahealing.com. Um, add the word trauma. Uh, yeah, birthstonetraumahealing.com has resources for, you know, some resources on just how to know, like, if you have trauma, because a lot of people have had experiences that, you know, they're not sure if it is trauma or if it qualifies as trauma, which, you know, if it has impacted how you feel, how you view yourself, how you view the world around you, it's definitely worth, you know, looking into to see if it's a barrier that's impacting your functioning. Um, but a next, there's a couple things that you can do. If you're an individual and you would like to address trauma and you would like to address where you feel those like kind of um, countering beliefs and um, feelings and uh, maybe within your body you are holding distress and it's just hard to pinpoint what's going on there, um, you can, you can um, connect with me through BirthstoneTraumaHealing.com. Um, and that's something where we can either potentially work individually or if you would like to do an intensive where I work with um, someone for four hours or eight hours and we just go to the root and it's a tailored approach where you um, do a lot of assessment on the front end and then we um, meet and we dive into this work together and provide you with what you need and then we also work to kind of detach you from what you no longer need, what no longer fits. Um, so that's just like on a personal level. Mm-hmm. On a training level, if um, churches or organizations are interested in specific training and trauma-focused discipleship, there is not a manual yet, but there are two. Um, there's a two-part training that I've developed that um, I'm kind of moving into a season of beginning to focus more on training. And so it is an option to do um, this two-part training over like a weekend or to discuss just what that would look like to tailor that to the needs of a community or to a congregation. Um, but uh, there is a, the opportunity for training. Um, it's something that I'm uh, definitely, I just love to provide training. I love to teach and I love to, you know, share what I've learned um, and what I've seen. You know, I've seen so many amazing things happen since I've started to do this work and, um, so there is a specific training, and again, the best way to um, connect about that is through BurstonTraumaHealing.com. Well, let me ask you this, too. You, you mentioned earlier you're based near Philadelphia. Um, do you do any uh, teletherapy with anyone, or, um, or or this training you're talking about? Are you open to doing any of that via uh, telepsychoeducation? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I have been doing intensives and, you know, therapy and some training via Zoom throughout the pandemic. The pandemic, you know, while it has produced so much trauma, and it has also, you know, uncovered a lot of trauma that many people are taking steps to deal with, um, it has made me ver- very mobile. So I can provide training virtually um, anywhere within, you know, anywhere that 
people would like trainings. Um, and then I can also provide therapy um, virtually in Virginia and in Pennsylvania and in New Jersey. Well, that's great. Yeah. I, I wish all the state law stuff wouldn't limit us so much, but <laughs> that's just yeah. the nature of things right now. But Lord willing, maybe one day we might have a national licensure, but we'll we'll see about that. Yeah. Um, I tell you, I always try to end my podcast asking the guest, um, is there something that you wanted to share today that I you know, didn't bring up? Because God knows I get going on a, of questions or things that I've thought of or, or things that I've read about you on your website, but I I might not get to something that was on your heart to share today. So is, is there anything uh, else you want to share with the listeners or any final thoughts about uh, trauma-focused discipleship? Well, you know, Dr. Neff, it's been awesome to be here, and I think that you covered a lot of what I was hoping to share. But I guess what I would love to, to say is, like, there's no, there's no barrier. You know, there's no experience that's too great or too small. Um, and... If it's time, then it's time. I think that the biggest thing that I find that, you know, the biggest factor that leads to healing is timing. And if it's time, um, then you got to do it. It's because it, I think that what I've seen is healing pursues people. And if you feel like healing is pursuing you, then this is something that I encourage you from the bottom of my heart to lean into because you will find that life can change and it can change quickly, and it is worth it. Whatever might feel scary on the other side of maybe taking that plunge towards healing and change, it's totally worth it. It's a lot better. Um, I've experienced that personally, and I've watched people take that plunge, um, and I know that it is a good thing to do. Well, that sounds great. I I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. It's a uh really helpful. And I hope this really stirs the thoughts and hearts of a lot of the listeners. And once again, t- tell the listeners your uh, website again, real quick. Yeah, it's birthstonetraumahealing.com. Yeah. And there's lots of neat information there for the listeners to check that out. And and if you want to uh, book uh, Tim for some speaking engagement or training or therapy, that's obviously where you'd go to get that set up. So thank you so yeah. much, Tim. I really appreciate you joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much, Dr. Hatt. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today on the Mental Healthy Podcast. And I hope you join us uh, in two weeks when we drop the next podcast, and we'll look forward to that. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Mental Healthy. Please be sure to subscribe for more episodes and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. You can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. We hope you join us next time for more on Mental Healthy. Music for this podcast is licensed under Creative Commons by Excel Music Publishing at freemusicpublicdomain.com.